0: everyone welcome to evil Pudding, a true crime podcast i'm your host courtney and i'm patrick welcome back i never left you never left you've been here for two weeks waiting
1: (laughs) i live here actually that's true
0: you do i do too
1: i know you do so we never really left
0: (laughs) well boy do we have a doozy today i'm
1: sure you do because last time you were like it's a nice light one and it was still like
0: you don't know anything about this one. I don't. know I mean, I didn't tell is. you what, what it, it was, is. and it's actually your fault that I'm doing this, and I you'll don't see know what it is. I know, but you'll see why. Okay. I'm really excited though for just to see your face. I love your raw reactions; like they slay me. So okay, I'm all about this one. But
1: I'll try to keep the uh, gum chewing and the uh, what was the other part?
0: Oh, somebody comment or somebody left a review and said that. Our content is amazing. However, oh, heavy breathing. The, yeah, the heavy breathing. They had to stop listening.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I have mouth sinus breezer. issues from years in the desert.
0: <laughs> you mouth breather. I am you. a mouth
1: breather. My nose is constantly <laughs> swollen. I'm, wait, how many surgeries have I already had? One, two? One. And my nose is constantly swollen shut. So, yes, I mouth. It was a
0: bad one, though. That surgery was awful for That's you. That's why we have the done deviated, deviated again. septum. Yeah.
1: Because it only lasted for like two years. And now it's already back to where it was. I'm sorry. I'll try not to breathe.
0: Just hold your. (gasps) Just sit over there and hold your breath. I am. (laughs) I love going over our hate comments. Like we're not bitter.
1: It's but the thing is, we're not bitter. We're
0: just having fun. No, I'm definitely not bitter. I you can't win them all, right? So
1: look, everybody's not gonna be perfect for everybody. I'm not the best editor all the time. I can't get all the breathing and the the hiccups and the
0: coconut. My goodness. I miss some.
1: I try to take most of them out, but sometimes I miss them and. Hey, it happens.
0: The dog was digging a hole to China over well, there. Well, she's
1: got to find the perfect spot. So I don't know if everybody else's dogs do this, but ours likes to do like a 360 12 times yeah. in the same spot until she finds exactly where she wants to plop and then she flops. I don't know why she does that. But I don't understand because you literally just spun in circles.
0: I'm going to ask her one day.
1: She's not going to. I hope she doesn't answer.
0: <laughs> Especially after this episode. I, I hope, hope she, she does doesn't answer because
1: then we're going to make some money.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Anyway, we digress like always.
0: Well, do you want to go ahead and get into it, since this this might be a lengthy one? Do you mind if we get into it? I don't mind. Okay. At
1: all. I think that's what we're here for.
0: Okay. Okay, so we will just get into it, since this is going to be a lengthy one. Are you ready? Uh, yes! Damn it! <laughs> so, today we are talking about a serial killer. Really? That absolutely nobody asked us to cover. And surprisingly, very surprisingly, actually is not very known to many of us true crime buffs.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Let me tell you how I discovered him. Okay. Patrick. Yes. You and I were watching Destination Fear. Yes. One night. (gasps) Shout out to the Destination Fear crew. We love that show, by the way. Well, basically uh destination fair if you don't know is a team of patrick could probably describe it better but it's a team of ghost hunters that go to different destinations and then they spend the night in super haunted locations right and they're all usually isolated and in complete darkness all night long
1: well the new season their theme is darkness so yeah so it's super it's super scary yeah and they're, they're isolated yeah
0: It's a really cool show, but we're not going to talk about ghosts today. Don't worry.
1: Well, no. Yeah. And then the side note to that is it's the brother and sister team and the brother. Yeah. Was actually part of Zach Baggins' show for a while. He's an
0: old. Yeah. He's um, part of the old crew with Zach Baggins. He was
1: part of Zach's old crew on his TV show and then branched off with his two best friends and his sister to do Destination Fear.
0: It's a good show. We like it. So anyways, the Destination Fear crew, uh, they went to do a ghost hunt at crescent sanatorium and prison in pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and they mentioned one horrible serial killer named joseph Callinger.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i remember we looked him up
0: aka the shoemaker we looked him up we were like who the hell is this dude well uh he had done time there at crescent and they just listed a few crazy things he did while doing time in prison there in crescent and i was like okay i need to learn more yeah, well,
1: they, they basically called him a convicted serial killer, and then they just talked about like what he did in the prison. In like, prison, they yeah. Talked about anything else? Well, we looked him up a little bit.
0: A little bit. I made the horrific mistake of getting to know Callender really well, <laughs> <laughs> and y'all, this is going to be, for lack of a better word, an acid trip of an episode. Sweet. Yeah, Callinger was not only a sadistic serial killer, but he was sadly suffering from one of the worst cases of schizophrenia that I have ever heard of. Oh, God. He would later claim that God had instructed him to commit all of his heinous crimes. I I
1: remember reading that about him.
0: He was on a mission to save mankind.
1: I do remember that. That's that's what I do remember about him, is that God was telling him to do this.
0: And what's worse... He didn't commit his heinous murders alone. Oh. No. He involved his 12 year old son. Oh. Yeah. He was a very sick man who never received the help that he needed. And by the way, definitely not saying that everyone suffering from schizophrenia is a murderer. No, not at all. God, no. You will see that Joseph was on the fast track to becoming a sick individual due to the perfect storm of abuse and neglect that occurred in his life. And schizophrenia was sadly just thrown into the mix. It was just adding fuel to an already raging fire.
1: I love this because one of our constant themes when we do these Mm -hmm. is nurture versus nature and we let you decide. This is going to be a one. This one sounds like it's
0: both. I, l- I think that, um, yeah, you'll see. You'll. See. I'm so interested like to hear your thoughts at the end. Okay. So this story is just so beyond you guys that I had to go back and fact check like everything five times because I was like, no, there's no way. I remember you saying I like, I there's no way.
1: ridiculously Because it just didn't make sense.
0: And this will be a two parter. And what we're going to do is upload part two next week on our Patreon. So as you know, we've we're going every other week right. for all the normies out there. <laughs> and then for Patreon, um, they get it a date early. A week early. But but this. for the part two yeah. for this episode, they'll get it a whole week early.
1: Right, right. So we're releasing this now. Patreon got it yesterday, or today if it's them.
0: So if you don't want to wait two weeks for part two, guys, go join our Patreon, and trust me, you're not going to want to wait. I'm going to even leave Pat here on a cliffhanger. I'm not going to give him any more info after we're done with this episode. What the fuck? So without further ado, guys, let's begrudgingly get to know Joseph Callenger, the shoemaker. Strap in for probably the wildest episode we have ever done in oh. Evil Pudding history. <laughs> Okay. Joseph Callender was actually born Joseph Lee Brenner the third on December eleventh, nineteen thirty-five, in a Philadelphia hospital to two unwed parents who unfortunately were just not fit to raise a child. Okay. Not only that, they outright did not want Joseph. So his mother immediately gave her son up for adoption as soon as he was born. There's a lot of speculation as to the real identity of who his birth mother and father are. But unfortunately, no one really knows. Baby Joseph was sent to St. Vincent's Orphanage in Philadelphia, where he would soon be adopted by Stephen and Anna Callinger. They were two Austro-Hungarian immigrants in their 40s who were unable to have children of their own. Oh, okay. No, don't say all. I mean, all for them. (laughs) No, I know. They're, They're horrible people, so. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, you're good. Now, they did not adopt Joseph with the idea that they were going to love and care for him as their own. Oh. Far from that. See, Stephen was a cobbler or a shoemaker right? who owned a very successful shoemaking business. And back in those days, it was weirdly customary to have an heir to hand down the family business to. Like, if you didn't have that, you had nothing. Like, the American dream was to have your own business, right? And then hand it down to the family. And then hand it down right, to right, the right. family. Yeah. So Joseph was basically being adopted to work at his father's business and nothing else. And inherited
1: it when his father was gone.
0: Right. To carry on his father's name.
1: Right. That was the only legacy they really had. Right. At, at that period of time, they thought that was their legacy, was handing down. A right. Place.
0: It was very different. I know that we kind of do the same thing, but we well, don't.
1: It, it, it involves every it's generation. It's not a must. Right? Every generation yeah. is a little different. That generation, for whatever it was, was. I think it's because it was right. When was this? The 1930s? Yeah. It was right after the Great Depression. So yeah. if you had your own business. You were like.
0: And they came notable, here. From, right? Yeah. They came here from overseas. So, and work is exactly what little Joseph was made to do from the time he could stand. His adopted parents felt that in return for adopting Joseph and providing him with food and shelter, then he needed to repay them by doing nothing but working. Okay. You will work. <laughs> That's how they sounded. Oh. I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm just Meet kidding. It's German. It's Austrian? I know. Kind of the same thing.
1: I don't think they're as aggressive when they talk.
0: I was less aggressive. Oh, okay. I, I channeled Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Because like, when you were doing Hinterkaifeck, you were screaming the mic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stephen and Anna took unloving to a whole other level. Not only did they work their son to the bone, but the only physical contact they gave him was when they were beating him. For example, when Joseph was five... He did what a lot of little kids do. He heard a bad word. And he went and asked his parents, guys, what does the word fuck mean? And the child was nearly beaten to death with a cat of nine tails that his father had constructed from shoemaking parts. Oh, lovely. So safe to say they were just wretched people. Angry. Those things are
1: awful too.
0: Cat of nine tails. Yeah. Absolutely
1: There's no humane design for that thing. Like, why would you design that without the pure pain and torture of someone else?
0: And other times, whenever he would misbehave, if they weren't beating him, they would threaten to send him back to the orphanage, which, honestly, I would have been like, please do, if I were him.
1: Are they going to beat me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, they would, you know, emotionally torture him as well. It's
1: emotional abuse.
0: Which is ironic because at five, this kid was basically in indentured servitude and he was being beaten with the very tools that he likely used on a daily basis working in his father's shop because his father had constructed the cat of nine tails out of shoemaking parts. Oh
1: yeah, because he's got, he got an abundance of string and leather lying around. Why not?
0: Before I continue, I want to take a minute to shout out the book that I mainly used for this episode. I also watched 50,000 documentaries. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> The book is called The Shoemaker by Flora Schreiber. And she also wrote the book Sybil, which if you're, uh, it was about the mul- the the girl with many personalities, yep. multiple personalities. Yep. She's also the author of that. Um, this book, The Shoemaker, was written with the support of Joseph Callenger himself. Uh, it is unfortunately out of print now after a lawsuit was filed because Callenger was getting 12.5% of the royalties from the sales. Oh, yeah, yeah uh however it is worth getting your hands on a used copy if you can 10 out of 10 recommend it
1: yeah that probably came around that whole time period what was it like the 90s when they were 80s when
0: it was in the 70s it, it the because 70s. it was son of sam that got that law passed right. so it wouldn't it, would that it be 80s 80? 70s. 70s okay
1: maybe early 80s but yeah that was the law that all these serial killers like Bundy and all these dudes mm-hmm. were banking money off their stories and so everybody unfair. was like uh fuck you
0: Anyways, in that book, The Shoemaker, Schreiber details some more major red flag defining moments in Joseph's childhood. A few months after he was asked, or he asked his parents what the word fuck meant, Joseph, like many curious little boys do, pulled a little girl's pants down on the playground. I'm not condoning this behavior, but little boys often do it. I've, you know, I've been around little boys in school and they did that a few times little girls did it a few times you yeah know? you pants each other as a joke you pants each other well his parents beat him within an inch of his life because they thought that he was a filthy pervert for doing so and they told him he was a filthy pervert Oh, first here he is asking what fuck meant and now this so he was expected to make shoes and have no other issues as a child don't ask questions don't Get into Where trouble at school, be just be a fart, robot.
1: Eat, sleep, and shut up.
0: Exactly. Then through no fault of his own came a huge defining moment in his childhood. For one reason or another, a little girl on the playground at school kicked Joseph really hard in his crotch. I'm not sure why.
1: Probably. All we know is that I it like happened. Pants <laughs> yeah, it was
0: a separate. It was a separate. I don't think it was the same little girl, but but we're not sure why. All we know is that it happened. Well, she really did hurt Joseph. So his parents had to take him to the hospital, which I'm surprised they did that much, to be honest, where it was discovered that Joseph was suffering from a congenital hernia. So he was born with it. And he, he needed surgery to fix it. Well, Joseph's parents were convinced that their son was beat up by a girl for being a dirty, filthy pervert. So when Joseph came out of surgery, they punished him by telling him that the doctor had removed, quote, the demon from his, quote, little bird. Little bird is how they referred to Joseph's penis. Mm. They went on to elaborate that the demon inside his little bird is what made it grow big and hard. And now the doctor ensured that his little bird would stay little forever. They told their son this. That's weird. Like how traumatizing would it be to be a young boy and just as you're getting familiar with the craziness going on in your own body, you're told that what is very natural I is told in you fact,
1: a dick demon. Yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> Dick Demon. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and God. we know that although there aren't signs of it yet. Joseph, like I said before, is schizophrenic. He hasn't begun showing signs no, yet. No, but this
1: is not going to build so stable mental. So this is just stable.
0: going to add to the turmoil. Yeah, it's
1: definitely not building a stable mental a fertile
0: ground for <laughs> enriched minds. After this traumatic incident, Joseph would have his first of many full-fledged schizophrenic hallucinations. I'm no doctor, obviously, but I can see that if he was born with this disorder and during all of this abuse would absolutely trigger this from happening. So right after the surgery, he was standing on the staircase and he had his first schizophrenic hallucination. Okay. So like I said, he was standing on the staircase and he watched as his father's hunting knife floated midair, traveled down to his crotch area before poof, vanishing. And no doubt this was a significant moment to a young boy and it signified that his parents had cut the evil from him in his mind. Sure. Sure. Side note here, Joseph would not receive a diagnosis of schizophrenia until it was far too late, and you'll see there would be multiple opportunities for people to help him, but he never received that help, and that's it's going to be infuriating. Now, you know his parents saw Joseph's psychological state slipping through the cracks. Oh, yeah. Had to have, but they didn't care as long as he worked, and when he did anything other than work, the abuse would continue. In fact, one neighbor of the calendars would later give a statement saying that she once encountered Anna beating Joseph several times about the head with a hammer for simply asking to go on a school trip to the zoo. He was eight at the time.
1: Dear God.
0: (laughs) I can't believe it. Like, no funsies. You make shoes.
1: (laughs) No shit.
0: Joseph would seek refuge from his turbulent home life in old, empty oil tanks in his neighborhood where he would just sit for hours by himself in the complete darkness. And those abandoned oil tanks became like his safe place.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, every kid has it like that.
0: However, one afternoon, the unthinkable would happen within his safe place. He climbed into an oil tank, as he had done many times before, only to find that he was not alone. Oh. Trigger warning, guys, this sexual assault coming up. Oh. There were three teenage boys in there, and they were all sexually experimenting on one another. And Joseph, little Joseph, walked in on it. Oh. He was eight, by the way. When they spotted Joseph, they held him at knife point and performed oral sex on him. Now, aside from this assault completely destroying the already fragile young boy, as it would any child victim. Right. It also confused him because through no fault of his own, during the assault, his penis had become erect, and he honestly thought that the demon had been cut from it. He believed well, his parents. Why
1: wouldn't he believe him? He doesn't know any better.
0: So to him, the evil must still be inside his, quote, little bird, as his parents called it. And now, after this violent assault, the lines between sex and violence were now forever blurred. Yep. And they just went hand in hand in his mind from this point forward. Shortly after the assault, Joseph's ninth birthday came around, and he asked his mom, Anna, if he was getting a present. I keep saying Anna and Anna. I'm not sure which one. One of them. Anna then proceeded to laugh in his face as if he deserved a birthday present, so he didn't end up getting a birthday present. These are awful people. Awful. I can't imagine suffering a sexual assault and then going home to endure such rejection from the people who are supposed to be there for you. It's heartbreaking. This rejection undoubtedly made Joseph angry, so he would lash out at his peers at school, understandably. On one occasion, he snuck his father's knife into school and he made his way into a coat closet where the students hung their coats and belongings. He then proceeded to slash up all of the students' belongings, no doubt in an effort to punish the other kids for having a life that he was unable to have. Why should they have possessions bought for them when I can't have any? Yeah. Somehow it was never discovered that Joseph was responsible for this and he got away with it. He's lashing out the only way he knows how it's an outlet, you know? He yeah. doesn't know any healthy coping mechanisms. He doesn't know any,
1: and this way he's not hurting people. He's letting his anger out, so he's just—you know what I mean? He's not yeah. physically hurting somebody.
0: Not saying he's a good guy. He no. turns into be a monster. But what do we say? We blame the adult, never the child. Yeah, as a child, we can't blame the nine year old. No, Joseph was so lonely, and after a lot of begging, Joseph's parents allowed him to go to the movie theater on Saturdays while they were out running errands, under the condition that he was able to pay for it himself. Somehow he had to pay for it himself, even though he didn't get wages working for his dad. Oh. Longing for some kind of human connection, little Joseph stole a roll of quarters from his parents so that he could pay for uh, for classmates to go with to the movies with him. He paid for friends. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Anna and Stephen found out about the sto- stolen coins. Stoylen.
1: Stoylen. You stole them.
0: <laughs> stolen coins. And they punished their son, get this, by holding his hand over a lit stove burner.
1: I got no words. I got nothing.
0: Being so lonely, this wasn't even enough to stop Joseph from stealing money to pay for friends to accompany him to the theater. Joseph went ahead and went on to steal from his parents and get caught. A total of five more times. And five more times his hand was held over the stove burner and he wouldn't quit because he wanted friends. Yeah. As Joseph was maturing sexually, he, like many young boys, stumbled upon pornography. It didn't take long for him to realize that something wasn't right. Joseph was unable to climax with regular pornography pictures. He had begun having sexual fantasies about stabbing women, so as a result, he found that he had to hold a knife and stab a picture of a woman in order to climax. Huge, gigantic red flag. And it was at this point in the story where I was like, okay, it's too late for him. Because obviously he's not getting any help. And he's kind of sealing his own fate here. He's you already know what there. I
1: mean? And no one's seeing it. No one's addressing it. And we know his parents aren't going to, they're going to, do everything in their power to fucking punish him for everything he does, and it's only going to make it worse.
0: And you'll see they know a lot of this stuff. His odd sexual perversions didn't stop there. Joseph, for one reason or another, would carve holes in his bedroom wall and stick his penis in there. Not entirely sure why, but he did. His parents did discover these gory (laughs) holes. So to speak. And as you can probably imagine, they didn't handle things appropriately, i.e., getting their son therapy. They just beat him with the cat of nine-tails. Like they're they just they don't want to deal with it. No. Joseph would later say about his sexual exploits as a child that every time his bird got hard, he felt that he was letting a little bit of the devil in. In 1949, Joseph heard a voice clearly instructing him to go and cut someone. Oh. So he grabbed one of his dad's hunting knives, went to a bus stop, boarded the bus, and on this bus he spotted a young boy, and Joseph decided that this was the one. Okay. So when the boy got off at the next stop, Joseph followed him and forced the boy into the woods at knife point. Joseph claimed that the demons were commanding him the whole time that he cut the boy. So he made the boy pull his pants down. And after that, I guess Joseph got cold feet because he just let the boy go and ran off. He's like, I can't do this. Okay. Joseph tried again and again to follow the demon's commands. He would assault three more young boys. And every time he would just chicken out at the last minute until one day, and trigger warning here, guys. He forced a young boy to let Joseph perform oral sex on him, much like had been done to him, right, in the tanks. During the act, Joseph bit down on the boy's penis hard before running off. So he didn't technically cut the boy, but he felt he more or less followed the demon's instructions by causing injury. Jesus. I know aside from stalking and assaulting young boys on the streets under command of the devil it was very clear to his parents that Joseph's psychological state was deteriorating at home or anywhere for that matter Joseph was now a teenager who was now a teenager would writhe on the ground like a snake like he was in a trance and he couldn't help himself what and the- you could tell he was trying to fight it he would also let out random maniacal sounding laughs at completely inappropriate times. Author Flora Schreiber would describe these fits of laughter as quote gothic belly laughs in which Joseph would clasp his hands over his mouth in an effort to silence himself without any luck, causing like himself so much embarrassment in public places, in the movie theaters in front of his friends when he didn't want it to happen. Wow. And what did his parents do? Beat him. Nothing. They just thought their son was super effing weird, and they became terrified of him. No shit. Instead of getting him some help, they just dead bolted their bedroom door at night and slept with an aluminum baseball bat by their bed. That reminds me of the Bi- Briley brothers. Yeah, I was their, about parents to say. their parents did
1: that. Boarded themselves up.
0: Like we talked about before, they didn't want their son to do anything in life other than to be a shoemaker or a cobbler. It didn't matter if he was weird or troubled, as long as he worked and could one day take over the family business, and that's all they cared about. Everything else is just inconsequential. Lovely, Lovely people. At the age of 15, Joseph had his first full blown audio and visual schizophrenic delusion while alone working at his father's shoe store. And it was here that he would receive his mission from God, according to Joseph. Sure. God appeared to him as a bright light and told him that he was doing a good job. He said, and I quote, God said this to Joseph. Okay. Joe Callinger, you are a special person and you must undertake a special mission. Already in your orthopedic work, you are easing pain in the feet. The feet are also a key to the brain. Your mission is to control the brain through the feet. This is what I, God of the universe, commands you to do. You will use this method to heal yourself and heal mankind. So there we go. Joe had his mission laid out in front of him loud and clear, clear as mud. So if he was going to heal mankind, he would definitely need like his own space to do it. Because you can't go healing mankind through orthopedic footwear at living at, in your parents' yeah. house. Duh. Right? Oh,
1: shit. Okay. Everybody knows that. So at the I age of... that's shit <laughs> career counseling nowadays.
0: So at the age of 15, Joseph moved out of his parents' house into his own apartment. He asked his father to start paying him a wage, and his father agreed because they were probably terrified of him at this point. So Joseph continued working at the shop while living on his own. The kid had his own apartment at 15. That's crazy. I mean, times were different back then. This is the late Very, 40s. But they were also probably terrified of him. Oh, well,
1: 100%, him. but this is late 40s after these kids weren't even in school in the early 40s. They were all working in factories and stuff. You know what I mean? He like, was still
0: in high like, school. That's what but I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Like, kids his age now, five years, six years prior to this, were working in factories and not even in school anymore because of the war. Crazy. So it's, it's not too far off for the time to be 15 on your own.
0: During this time, on his own, Joseph actually made a few friends, and he formed a few relationships. One particularly of note would be with his future first wife, Hilda. At the movie theater, he met a girl named Hilda Bishop, and the two quickly hit it off. How in the world he found someone to connect with, I will honestly never know. But by all accounts, Hilda was weird at AF as well. So it sounds like they were kind of two peas in a pod.
1: I had a dick demon.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. What the fuck? Well it's probably like you're so funny. He's so quirky. Yeah. I'm Him s- and his dick demon. I'm being serious. <laughs> and as you can probably imagine, Joseph's parents hated their relationship. They did not approve by any means.
1: Of what? Their son or her?
0: Her son, ha- their son having a relationship with her.
1: At all. Mm-hmm. Pretty much probably.
0: But at all. It, yeah, I think it would be with anyone, but they didn't like her.
1: Because they didn't want him to get distracted from taking over exactly. the fucking shoe business.
0: But regardless, fucking Joseph Nike's over there. was all about Hilda. So much so that he actually lost his virginity to her. So things got pretty serious between the two. So serious that the pair decided to get married when Joseph was only 17. His parents were so peeved at this that they tried to file what's known as an incorrigibility declaration to stop the marriage. That declaration basically gets the law to declare a child unfit to be on their own, from what I understand. However, the judge didn't find Joseph to be incorrigible, I guess, and the marriage proceeded.
1: It's really hard to do that when your son's been living on his own for two years at that point.
0: He's not incorrigible. And you're paying him,
1: and then you're like, oh, he's not able to take care of himself. Why the fuck are you letting him? Exactly. I'm really confused and this is this is off topic, but it's not yeah. it's, it's really weird to me that so many of these serial killers at a young age determine that you know they can't get sexual gratification without like this violence or like stabbing or threatening things. So then when you talk about he, he meets this girl and loses her virginity to, at what point is she like, This is weird that this dude never, you know, climaxes. We'll get there. But it's fine.
0: I cover it. Okay.
1: That's, to <laughs> Don't me, you
0: worry, baby. Like, it's just one of those
1: none, you know It's not I something know. anybody wants to talk about, but it's, it's weird to me that no one ever notices it or has an issue with it till like five years down the road when they're already fucking killing people. If
0: they ever uttered any word about it, I'll find it and I'll talk about it all day. <laughs> I
1: know you will. I know you'll kidding. find that shit.
0: <laughs> okay. So when they got married, Joseph was just 17. He was still in high school, like I told you. So he dropped out of high school and he was doing really well for himself. He was actually even making a name for himself in the community as a reputable cobbler. So he was really good at his job.
1: Well, he's probably at this point, he's probably staying out of trouble. He's just married. He's devoted to her.
0: You'll be surprised to know that around town, he around Philly, he was known as Crazy Joe, the cobbler.
1: We all, <laughs> they we have all, no idea. <laughs> but we all had those dudes or ladies that was like that crazy person in your town that was harmless. But everyone knew him as like the crazy person that ran that store. Till they start
0: stacking bodies. Well, you know what I mean? With like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was
1: always just like, oh, is that crazy guy that runs the fucking post office or whatever it is.
0: But as you can probably guess, Joseph and Hilda's marriage was not a healthy one. Here we go, Pat. Hilda quickly found that her husband had some weird, weird, I'll call him kinks. I'm not trying to kink shame, but he had some weird kinks that it's hard to get down with, right? Yeah. The only way that he could have successful sex with his wife was if he was holding a knife. Well, of course, Hilda wouldn't stand for <laughs> having sex at knife point, as many of us wouldn't. So Joe would grip a knife that was concealed in his pocket during intercourse with her. Probably not a normal thing to do, you know? No, I mean, not I'm not normal. trying to shame. If you do and you don't hurt anyone, I mean, I'm not, who am I to judge? But
1: I'm not saying I'm shaming anybody, but I'm just telling you that's not normal.
0: Yeah, maybe just, like, reflect on that a little bit if you're thinking about doing that. And just talk to someone. Please. <laughs> and the couple fought relentlessly. Hilda was verbally very abusive towards Joseph, which probably was due to his mommy issues, I would guess, a little bit. See, Joe sadly, and I, I hate to say this, he sadly did have a micropenis. It was very small. Okay. So she was constantly making fun of Joe's little bird. And in return, it is almost certain that Joe was physically abusive to her. It, it just wasn't healthy.
1: Oh I'm sure, he grew up around abuse. I'm sure it was nothing to him to just haul off and-,
0: and hit someone. Yeah. But despite the couple's issues, they gave birth to a daughter in 1956 who they decided for whatever reason to name after Joseph's abusive mother, Anna. And shortly after Anna's birth, a son came along, and can you guess who they named that baby boy after? His dad? Yep, Stephen, Joseph's father.
1: Maybe it was just because it was the tradition to do I
0: it. think so. I think it didn't have a lot to do with, oh, I admire these people and I love was, them so much. I think it
1: was the old ways back then. was like, that's what you It know. was just the
0: way. <laughs> Nothing like reliving years worth of abuse and trauma every time you say your kids' names. <laughs> the couple eventually bought a house for their growing family, and Joe, for a time, went to work for another shoemaker in a neighboring town oh. and apparently joseph's dad was all for his son going out and getting some experience elsewhere for a bit you know
1: yeah well maybe, maybe you can go learn some stuff and bring back here so there were no hard feelings a fucking break from your psycho well or? that's
0: what i was gonna say next is they were also probably anxious to get some kind of a little reprieve from him but
1: yeah, the I'm couple's a crazy joke. I'm <laughs> go work somewhere else a bit. exactly
0: But the couple's issues were so bad that it all came crumbling down when Hilda left Joe and the kids for another man named Hans Gibbler. She was so anxious to get the hell away from Joe that she lived with Hans in his car that was parked outside a graveyard. She was like, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) It's dope. Let's stay here.
1: I guess uh, you get to a certain point where anything's better than what you're at.
0: So here's Joseph, not well, left alone with two kids, a house, and a job. And he is not a well man. So it comes as no surprise that this sparked what I'm calling a psychotic break of sorts. I'm not entirely sure what this is. Those are my words. But let me just tell you what happened and you can kind of decide for yourself. Joe actually just woke up one morning and he was in a whole ass other city Every kind of everything I read said he was somewhere different, so I'm not really sure. It was in Philadelphia, but I mean Pennsylvania, but I'm not sure where. But he had no recollection of how he got there whatsoever. It was very much breaking bad style when Walt had his fugue state and went missing Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very much like that. Of course Walt was lying about that. Oh, he was
1: lying about the whole thing.
0: As a result of this, Joseph was admitted to a mental hospital for a short time where they basically said, nah, you're fine. Slapped him on the ass and then sent him home like you're good. When he got home, he was met with divorce papers and somehow he was granted custody of his kids. Hilda was granted weekend visitations, which is crazy to me. Very I rarely, especially back then in the 50s and 60s, would a judge give custody of the children to anyone other than the mother. But by all accounts, Hilda sucked as a mother.
1: Yeah, but, uh, but also, you got to think about it. Joe has a job in a house. She at, lives in a car. She's living in a car in a graveyard. So any judge is going to probably even back then go like, look, you got a steady income. Beds and a roof for these fucking kids. Yeah. And you're, 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 Even you're if you a were just in a,
0: an insane asylum.
1: And, but they said there was nothing wrong with you. Yeah. So what's, <laughs> what's there to be concerned about?
0: For a time, Joseph would spend weekends traveling by train with his kids so that they could visit their mother on the weekends, you know? And one day, on one of those train rides, Joseph met a lady who would one day become his second wife, Betty Baumgartner. And the two began dating. Aside from being batshit crazy which he probably hid from her at first joseph actually was quite a catch on paper he was now one of the premier shoemakers in the area and she was quite impressed with him
1: i mean he, he on paper the dude looks yeah amazing right
0: you have custody of your Shoem- own kids i was gonna say
1: shoemaker making a name for himself in a, in a great business probably doing really well has his own kids as a single parent so everybody's like looking at him like he's a really good dude if he's working and a single parent I
0: will have to admit this after that like at, from this point on there is no mention anymore of those two kids so I'm not sure if he kept custody or if Hilda came back and got them
1: or he dropped them off one day and was like I'm tired of doing this shit Yeah
0: because there's no mention of them ever again He
1: may he may have found this new woman started dating her and been like, you know what, you two. I just to want to warn,
0: warn y'all because when we move on, you're going to be like, wait, where's the yeah, other two kids? The, no, I'll, they're just not around. I'm glad you did that
1: because I'll get to the end and be like. Where'd they go? Where'd the other two go? Yeah,
0: they're they're gone now. Okay. I don't know where they are, but I'm sure they went. Hilda probably got a house and Work. she got them back. Yeah. In 1958, the couple married and they would go on. So Betty and Joseph would go on to have four kids. Four
1: Okay, so they had four, and he's got two other ones that are just out of the picture at this point for some
0: reason. For some reason. And if you're wondering, Joseph's pension for needing to hold a knife during sex had not changed.
1: Oh, no, I just, I thought it miraculously went away.
0: However, he had grown to be somewhat of a MacGyver. (laughs) In the couple's headboard, it's not funny, it's just so uncomfortable. In the couple's headboard, Joseph had built a secret compartment that he could open during sex. And in that compartment was a large knife that he could secretly like grip onto while he was doing it. Do I know if she knew about this? That's How really, could you not? I'm not. I know. It's like, what are you
1: doing up there? Like, no.
0: Once we get into this, you're gonna. Uh, Betty, there, Betty knows. I
1: was gonna say, because it's like, like, what like are you, you just for? like, what are you doing?
0: You, there's there was never a time when you're like, you, you okay? You okay, honey? <gasps> what are, you,
1: what, are you okay? You reaching for something? What are you
0: doing? She here? probably, like I said, she's probably just like, he's so quirky, you know. Whatever. I'm not judging. I'm judging, I'm but... Ju- I'm, I'm fucking judging. <laughs> I'm not sure if his wife... I really don't know if she was aware of how... Back then. She eventually is aware. I'm not sure if she was aware now of how sick he truly was, but one thing's for certain, he was about to get a whole lot worse.
1: No. Oh, that was the end of the story.
0: One afternoon while working at the shoe shop, Joseph had another full-blown auditory and visual hallucination. A figure in a black cloak and a witch's hat showed him like Joseph as a child raking leaves with his parents, Stephen and Anna. After they had all the leaves in a pile, um, Joseph watched as Stephen, his father, set fire to the leaves. The figure then commanded That Stephen's, that Joseph's mission right now was to go home on his lunch break. He was very specific and set fire to his home. His home. Joseph's home, their family home. In fact, the figure's exact words were, quote, go home at lunch and burn your house down, if you need clarification.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's pretty clear.
0: Pretty clear. So Joe was like, okay. So he went home and as he was told, where the figure reappeared and directed him to his shed. The entity then instructed Joe to take some matches and toss them into some paint thinner cans. So he did. And as the fire raged, he returned to work as if nothing had happened. He just did what he was told. Wow. Now, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. I have, I have to note, and it's very uncomfortable for me to say this, A lot of this is going to be very uncomfortable to say. Yeah. But I have to note that as Joseph was recounting this story to author Flora Schreiber, he became visibly excited when describing the arson. In fact, he climaxed and came in his pants during the interview in front of Schreiber. She had to give him a minute. Oh. It's just so weird. So weird. (sighs) I know. I'm glad I got that out of the way, though. I was dreading that coming out of my mouth. I shouldn't have said coming out of my mouth. I'm just going to leave now. That's you can okay. finish the I'm story. Going
1: forever call him Sticky Pants. <laughs> sticky Joe. Sticky Pants Joe.
0: Now, although Joe damaged the shed, his first attempt to burn down his house completely was a failure. He would try three more times and fail all three times to burn his own house down.
1: I mean, I'm not an expert arsonist, but good Lord, how hard is this?
0: I'm, yeah, I'm not super talented at much, but I feel like I could probably burn a house down, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, whatever.
0: I don't know. However, on the fourth attempt, he reduced their home to a pile of ash. He had carried out the demon's mission.
1: Yeah. And he's probably standing there like, fuck, now what?
0: No, not at all. As a (laughs) a result, Joseph was charged with arson. However, he got off without having to serve any time since he was a cobbler to some of Philly's most elite. Many reputable people came forward as a character witness on his behalf. So Joseph was able to escape punishment with time served. It's, It's a lot of that. You know, and I hate to, and it's so aggravating because, because
1: he was networked with the right people.
0: All you have to do is if somebody could just keep this guy in prison for, I'll say two weeks, I bet it's less, then they'll see something's wrong and then they would be able to, well, or maybe at least get him maybe He
1: doesn't need to leave. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, so Joseph's family, like you said, Pat was left without a home, you know, since he burned it down because the devil told him to. Obviously, the calendars needed a place to live. By this time, Joseph's adoptive parents were elderly and had long left Joe's childhood home. So he decided to move his family to the place where all of his trauma began.
1: No, nothing wrong with that.
0: Great idea, right? He also took over his father's shoemaking shop at this time. It's just all not really good for your mental health, Joe. One might I mean, one might say.
1: Moving back in and reestablishing yourself in the family and the lifestyle that caused your issues is probably not the best I'm no doctor, like you said. I'm no doctor, but. I just don't think a psychologist would recommend that course of action.
0: Nope, probably something else. And y'all think things were crazy with Joe before. <laughs> just wait. And here is where I was in utter disbelief as to how a man this sick can just exist without someone noticing and getting him help.
1: Because I'm already confused. About how the fuck Because
0: I'm, I'm I, the fact that I had to fact check this so much and, and wait till you hear part two. This is nothing. We don't even get into the murders How is this in nothing? part like, one.
1: This shit doesn't even sound cohesive.
0: Let me tell y'all something. We do not even get into the murders in part one. And I'm still going to blow your mind. We haven't even gotten to the most shocking part of this episode.
1: Oh, fuck me. Okay.
0: When Joe returned to his family home after all he had been through, he decided to, quote, correct himself and all of mankind through orthopedics, which was the original command that he believed was given to him by God. This is the underlying, like, theme of his life. He's on he a mission.
1: Dr. Scholes in the
0: end of the story? He's on a mission. Dr. <laughs> he's on a mission to save mankind through orthopedics. That's
1: what I'm saying. And then he started Dr. Scholes and happily ever after, right? He is Dr.
0: Scholes. Okay, the awesome. end. Let's go. Good story. Joe believed that he could save humanity through the feet, right? So to do this. A foot guy, huh? Joe believed that he needed to create wedges for people to wear. Don't ask me why. I'm just the freaking messenger. Okay, I have just as many questions. He needed to cre- create wedges. Okay. All right. Okay.
1: So was he the creator of the wedges, or they already no, existed? They
0: existed. Okay. So he did, and he would give these wedges to absolutely – They were probably very special in his mind. Like, like maybe certain angles. You know, who knows? He's he's Whatever. he's scary. So he would give these wedges to absolutely anyone willing to wear them, even his children, his wife, the fucking mailman, I'm not exaggerating, like just anyone. And along with the wedges, Joe conducted various other experiments. By all accounts, Joe was a hoarder, he had shit everywhere. All in the name of orthopedics. Well, he's trying
1: to invent some shits. And we've always seen those inventor type people that there's shit everywhere.
0: You can, yeah, you can definitely say he was a hoarder. In fact, Joe would wake his kids up in the middle of the night to go for walks in order to test out his orthopedic wedges. And during those walks, like in the middle of the night, he's like, hey, put these on. we gonna go for a fucking walk they uh during those walks him and the kids would dumpster dive and collect all sorts of garbage that Joe felt he could use to save mankind there were some <laughs> there were some nights that Joe and his four kids would come home with a junk like piece of machinery and he would just set it in the middle of the living room floor like here this will save humanity we now have like a big piece of machinery in the living room that I'm
1: the head gasket cover.
0: She's crazy. There you go. Side note: Can you imagine being a kid and like being woken up in the middle of the night by your dad, and he's like, "Strap on these wedges. We're going for a walk." And they would walk all night long. But they long. May also,
1: you know, sometimes depending on the age of the kids, when your dad wants to go do something, even if it's in the middle of the night, like you think it's so cool because you're like, maybe you enjoy it. I don't know because you get to go. You get to, he's doing stuff with them that they're not supposed to be doing or like or they shouldn't be doing, like dumpster diving and all that kind of stuff. When you're a kid, that's cool.
0: Okay, here it is, guys. As part of Joe's many experiments, he decided to start experimenting on animals. So he, let's say accrued, several hamsters.
1: Escalation. Here we go.
0: His goal was to make the hamsters little shoes and outfits. And in exchange for their cooperation... I'm sorry. Wait, what, what? Listen. In exchange for the hamsters' cooperation... He would make them little shoes and outfits. However, Joe ran into a few issues with his little tiny assistants. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. Patrick, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We're going to role play here real quick.
1: I I don't want to with this story.
0: (laughs) So um, I'm not wearing wedges. We're going to read a portion of his interview with author, uh, Joe Callinger's interview with author Laura Schreiber. Uh, where he addresses Hamstergate. So, Patrick, can you please read the part of? I came I don't up want with that. To read
1: this now. Can
0: you please read the part of Schreiber, and I'll be Joseph, okay? Just for anyone.
1: You're not going to come in your pants while you do this, are you? I'll do
0: my best. <laughs>
1: Joseph, in what way did you take this experiment seriously?
0: Well, I'd already done over 40,000 experiments, most of them on myself, some on my wife and kids. I'd even talked the mailman into letting me put wedges into his shoes. So I did a few on him, but I'd never done experiments on animals before.
1: I'm sorry. I'm really struggling even just following along. This shit's ridiculous. Uh... What were you going to do with the animals?
0: I was going to make little shoes for their feet and little wedges to put into the shoes. I figured I'd get a lot of information that way. I wanted to do an experiment on the connection between a hamster's feet and their brains. Now, if they listened to me and did what I told them, then I would have known that the wedges and the little shoes that I made for them were doing them good by giving them greater durability and intelligence. They'd be obedient to me, their master. When I got them home to East Fletcher Street, I saw that there was no way I could make shoes and wedges for my hamsters. Their feet were too tiny. (laughs) But I knew I could go on with the second part of the experiment, the connection between obedience and intelligence, even without the shoes. To make sure I didn't get the hamsters mixed up, (laughs) sorry, it's not funny. They all looked alike, you know, the same color brown, the same size hamsters. I put a name tag on the right rear leg of each one. I called them Winkle, Popsicle, Jelly Roll, and Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) Then I put them into a large cage with a small wheel in it. I knew the best way to test their intelligence and durability was on the wheel. If they had intelligence, then they would listen to me. If they had durability, they'd listen and survive. To obey is the one test of intelligence. To survive is another, right? Right. All right. Your turn.
1: I'm struggling, okay? Because I'm sitting here. It gets better. Trying to be the interviewer. And if I'm interviewing somebody, I don't care if I'm a doctor or not, and they say this to me, I have already dropped my pencil. My mouth is wide open, and I'm going to go, the fuck did you just say? Come on. Finish. Can I say it as me or exactly how she said it? She says, Joseph. How in the world did you expect hamsters to listen to you when you don't speak, when they don't speak the human language? I would have thrown a wall more cover. How the
0: fuck did you think that was going to work? Joseph said, I spoke to them in English like I'm talking to you. I pulled up a chair right next to the cage and I sat down. I told the hamsters everything I was going to do. It was very important to the future of mankind. I said that they obey me. I told them their feet were too small for me to make shoes and wedges, but I promised to make them little hats and suits, even though I'm not a tailor. If they listened to me and survived, Flora, they understood every word I said. What the
1: fuck is going on right now? That's not what she said, but that's what I said. Uh, I'm sorry. This shit is just crazy to me. Um, What did the hamsters answer you?
0: Nothing. That was my second disappointment with them. First, I found I couldn't make wedges for their feet. Then I couldn't get them interested in my experiment. They didn't even perk up their little ears when I told them about the hats and the suits. But I knew they understood me all right. They played foxy to throw me off my guard. They didn't listen. They didn't seem to want to get it. While I talked, they ignored me. So since the hamsters failed to assist him in the world of... dom, This is me talking, by the way. We're done with the interview. So since the hamsters failed to assist him in world domination... Callinger, unfortunately, killed them. He made the poor hamsters run on a hamster wheel, and when they tried to stop, he would poke them with a pencil, so they eventually ran themselves to death, dying of exhaustion. And I know, I know, Patrick, you're looking at me like you're just dumbfounded, and and we are, but you have to, we're laughing.
1: I'm not laughing. I'm so confused by this. This
0: was very real to him this was very real to him and aside from being absolutely bonkers which I know it is that's why I want to refrain from giving it so like it is I know it's it's insane like I know but it it's I don't wanna I don't want to like focus too hard on it I just wanted y'all to know his mindset we're not I dealing with someone who needs to be out
1: and, get the, I get and without help you know I get where you're trying to go to. But I think I'm like every other person that's listening to it right now. Like I literally want to almost hear that again because it's so fucking absurd. The well, first time you hear it, you're like,
0: "Y'all can go back and re-listen." You, I mean,
1: I, I almost want to right now because like this is <laughs> fucking like, did I fucking hear that right? Like that. What did I
0: tell you? It's gonna be an acid trip.
1: But he wanted to make shoes for fucking hamsters or Porky and fucking Madonna. Or whatever they, they, they were called s- them.
0: <laughs> supposed to assist him in saving mankind, world
1: domination. And they didn't answer him, so he was
0: disappointed. But the reason I did it was not to highlight and to make fun of him. This is what I was trying to say earlier. Couldn't find my words because I too am dumbfounded. The reason I wanted to read this interview, because it's important that you know his state of mind.
1: A hundred percent. Because me just
0: saying version. he's having visions, he's 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 as you can tell, he is very like passionate about this, you know. And it's
1: very real to him what's happening. Very real, very real. real.
0: This was not somebody that people could live with and say he's fine. No, and then
1: that, and obviously I'm making it not as easy to do what you're trying to do and just tell the story
0: because <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> – Well, no, you're 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 like, hearing this along with everybody else. For the first so, time. For you the went first through time. it like
1: 20 times. Like you said, you deep dove this to make sure this was real. We're all hearing it for the first time, and I'm looking at you like, what the – It's oh. Hamstergate. But the scariest thing is we just said it like to him – this is real. It's painfully real. Like this is. He not-
0: needed them to like. I want to emphasize like he was like fuck because I needed these to help me. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it's he as needed real them. he
1: you recording this podcast? Me drinking a beer in the dog lane? Except him, he that feels real.
0: that mankind is literally on his shoulders. That's his purpose, and it's and it's sad. But again, the reason I'm reiterating it is not to, or the reason I'm. Like quoted the whole interview yeah, was not to be like ha huh, ha huh, point and laugh. It's I think people exactly. lived and worked with this man and nobody was like he needs some help. No, I, I think you know? you, I think
1: you have to quote it verbatim. Yeah, I think you, you have can just to tell like a summary of it. Everyone's gonna be like, what the fuck? Shut up. Yeah, but when you're I'm not trying to be insensitive. Verbatim interview. Mm-hmm. And this is what's being said. It's different than just saying hey when he was in an interview he said he was building shoes for hamsters. I'd be like, Sh- what the hell? Did you shut up. Stop.
0: Aside from this, just being absolutely bonkers it's important to note that this was joe's first time actually killing another living thing this was a very clear hamster gate was a very clear escalation on his part
1: stop calling it hamster gate (laughs) no
0: that's what i called it it's
1: killing me every time you say that (laughs) i
0: I have to tell you this patrick um i always like my parents i go and visit them and um I always talk to them roughly about the cases that I'm researching at the time. And I read this interview to my father Oh, God. and he was like, what?
1: I can only imagine his reaction to this. It was,
0: yeah. It was about the same as yours.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, cause that's a logical human's reaction to that interview is like, what the, what?
0: What? Okay. Um, yeah.
1: I'm about to no joke just cause I need validation in this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let one of the well one of the girls listen here. I'll let the other one read it. Cuz it's not bad. Yeah. I just want to see what their take on the interview piece is because to, I I need validation from another human that I'm not the only person that thinks this is just
0: No. I read this interview to one of our oldest who don't worry, they're adults. But um and they were like, "Wow." So yeah, it's not just you.
1: I mean, I've I've had friends that have had acid trips
0: this is literally about do the same.
1: Literally doing acid that made more sense than this.
0: Yeah. But, you know, oh well. And guys, this was, like I said, an escalation. He killed another living thing. And things were only about to get way worse. And to give you an idea of how bad things were going to get, in this episode, we aren't even going to cover his murder spree. I'm saving that for episode two. Like,
1: I don't even think Tarantino could have come up with, concocted this story. No. That's how fucked up it is.
0: So, let's move on. From Hamster Gate.
1: <laughs> I can't move on from it. That's the problem.
0: You want to take a break?
1: No, I mean I will move on from it, but it's so hard to move on from because it's so like... You need
0: a breaky poop? I still haven't even fully processed it yet. Okay. How do I move on
1: from it? I haven't even processed it.
0: you want to stop and reread it? And oh, just, no, not at all. Because it's not going to make sense no matter how... I've read it 27 I, times. That's my point.
1: Is it's not going to make sense. If I, I'm going to have more questions if I read it three more times. So it's just... Oh, fuck, okay, it's so just I, one of those things. It,
0: yeah. You're going to have just more and more questions. So just...
1: I'm gonna have more questions. than hamster gate? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. God, hamster
0: gate. Absolutely. How? Okay. So, Joe's not doing too well. I think we can all agree. He would literally work all hours of the night on his experiments, and his wife would just keep bringing him tea. he drank drink an ass ton of tea, black tea. He just liked it. I mean, and he I, would drink. I get, I
1: get that, bro. I'm drinking a shit ton of blacks on sweet tea all day long. I, love
0: it. I wondered, like, during this time, what she was thinking about all this. Like, <laughs> He's what just about? such a a character with his hamsters and the forklift engine in our living room. Oh, let me
1: tell you about my husband. He's so silly. He with his hamsters. He was gonna make them little shoes, girl. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Anyways, with him working all hours of the night to save mankind, and then working and running a business during the day.
1: Wait a minute. You always try to put little outfits on our animals. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Do I have to worry about you right now?
0: Because I put outfits on the dogs. Yes. No. Because I don't think they're going to save the world.
1: Oh, well. so the difference between you and him is he was doing it for the savior of mankind <laughs> and you're, you're not. Right. Okay.
0: Maybe you should worry. I do. Good. <laughs> it's, it's healthy to have a little fear. I'm kidding. I don't worry. <laughs> Anyways, with him working all hours of the night to save mankind and then working and running a business during the day, it's safe to say that wasn't wonderful for Joe's already declining mental health, he was becoming increasingly paranoid. Joseph was paranoid that someone was going to break in and steal his experiments and possibly even take away his wife and kids. He began to fear that his neighbors were members of the CIA and they were spying on him through the windows of their homes. He began to fear that his neighbors were members of the CIA and they were spying on him through the windows of, from their homes, through Sorry, through the windows from their homes. So Joseph turned his family home into a literal fortress. He even called it Joseph Callender's Castle. It's D-minus for originality. <laughs> so bad.
1: Seriously, that's like the worst castle name
0: ever. Right? Well, the cellar windows were... But wait to I mean, you hear what he like, did.
1: Castle Day, Joseph is better than that.
0: Just wait to hear what he did. The cellar windows were covered in steel and every window from the first floor up was covered in hinged steel gates. Like, he wasn't messing around. Some windows were even bolted with steel plates and then covered in cement over the steel plates for an extra layer of protection in case they had, like, x-ray vision, you know, like the CIA does. This
1: This is not even funny at this point.
0: Joe, like I said, began having paranoid delusions that his neighbor's homes were secret CIA outposts placed there to spy on his experiments. And one such neighbor was actually, like, in real life, um, Pennsylvania State Representative Harry Comer, who had actually known Joseph since he was a baby. He had been, like, a family friend of the Callengers. And he had even served as a character witness for Joe when he was charged with arson after he burned his family's house down. But Joe thought that Harry Comer was a CIA operative. So Joe would go in the middle of the night to Representative Comer's office, and he would smash in his office windows with ball bearings. The next day, Joe would go and help Mr. Comer Comer repair the windows. This happened again and again. (laughs) Joe would like literally in the middle of the night go and smash in Comer's glass windows and then help him repair them the following day and Harry Comer was none the wiser as to what was going on or who did it why would you
1: well why would you suspect the he's kid, t- helping me fix it every fixes day it every day with me or the guy that fixes it with me every day is the one breaking it like, it doesn't even make sense
0: until finally Mr. Comer just had bulletproof glass installed so the days of Joe's smashing windows came to an end but that's just an idea. I'm trying to give you an idea of how You're actually paranoid. You're yeah
1: painting a picture of how mentally unstable this man is.
0: with Joe's paranoia off the charts, his delusions also escalated. With all of the junk Joseph had gathered over the years for his experiments, he was running out of room. So in 1969, I'm sorry, I didn't mean delusions. his hallucinations, hallucinations. yes. his hallucinations escalated. So he had all this junk that he had gathered over the years. He was a hoarder, like we said. He was running out of room in his house. So in 1969, he purchased a whole-ass second house, just for him, located nearby on East Hager Street. Hager? Hager? Hager?
1: I, I don't know. I'm not sure. both.
0: Well, Joe had a vision that commanded him to dig a hole in that house that would serve as a pathway straight to hell. But... Was Joe going to dig this hole alone? No. He would wake his kids up in the middle of the night and bring them to the new house where he instructed them to take up the floorboards. He then gave them all shovels and told them to dig a 20-foot hole, and they did as they were told. After the hole was finished, he banished the kids from the house, like, don't come back. This was now his new safe place, much like the tanks were back when he was a child. Now, this gets to be kind of a lot.
1: Weird? Okay. Okay.
0: So please forgive me. You will gag if you're eating a snack. Put it down. Trust me. I have a strong stomach. This one got me. Oh, fuck. Joe would climb a ladder down into that 20-foot hole where he began a ritual of defecating and then masturbating into his pile of poop because he believed that this gave him power. Yes, I know. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Wow. It's hard for me to say it too. I know it's hard to hear. It's hard for me to say. Just trying to give you the facts. Before long, the hole was completely filled. That 20-foot hole was completely filled with Joseph's feces and semen. Joe Joe claimed to have received his next commandment after he had taken an unusually large dump in the hole. He claimed to have been instructed to begin punishing his children as he was punished when he was a child. Oh! That was the word that came to him after his...
1: Come shit demon <sighs> came to visit him? Yes. Said, beat your children? Yeah, oh, that's... Fuck, golly, that's a mess.
0: So this is setting us up for another escalation in Joe's story, unfortunately.
1: Escalating from his 20-foot shit come hole? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: And the hamsters and just everything.
1: Okay. Oh, can't wait.
0: So Joe went home that evening and set up his family cellar as a torture chamber. He filled it with what he called, quote, this is in his words, educational materials to include ropes, chains, a cat of nine tails, of course, et cetera. Now... By now, the Callenger children were older. At least two of them were teenagers, guys. So I don't want y'all thinking they're a little bitty. And none of them were good kids. They were all violent, thieving little criminals by the age of 10. Not that that means Joseph should abuse them. No shit. But, I mean, they it's not like they had good examples, right? So Joseph, what he's about to do is just make it all worse.
1: I'm literally struggling right now. We have... Done almost 50 episodes and covered some of the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. and I've never once struggled to get through an episode. I'm struggling.
0: I'm so sorry. Because this is so... What the fuck? Now do you see why I had to fact check so much?
1: No, I get it, but I I can't even have enough time to process what the fuck just happened before some crazier shit is happening. And now I'm trying to process both at the same time. (laughs) I'm still processing the fucking hamsters. Now we got to shit and cum hole, and now we're doing to something else? Like, we just keep blowing by this shit. It's, geez.
0: I try also, too, this is a defense mechanism on my part. I'm, trying to, get, I'm trying to speed through it, and I'm leaving y'all in the dust <laughs> dealing with all the... Yeah, I haven't... Yeah,
1: we're all trying to process it for the first time, so we're stuck, and you're already moving on to the next one because you're over it, and we're all over here like,
0: what just happened? I feel do like you know a, sh- a shower how, right now. Do you know how hard it is for me to say some of this stuff? But I have to because it, it's like, y'all got to know it. You got, I have to paint the full picture, right?
1: I will say the hole, I was in, I was embracing for a whole lot worse than that. So I'm glad that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be.
0: What? How could it be worse than this? It literally couldn't I be. I
1: literally thought he was going to be stuck in the hole shitting and eating it or something like that.
0: Oh, no, no. You know what I mean? Like You're still talking about the hole. Okay.
1: I'm still at the hole. I'm not <laughs> here yet. I'm literally still at the hamsters. <laughs>
0: Hamster gate.
1: <laughs> I'm actually before the hamsters. I'm just now at peace with what I could understand from that part.
0: <laughs> so after Joseph set up his torture cellar for his kids, yeah. Joseph claimed to have a very clear hallucination of a huge clock, like tick tock clock That's with, enough? with a skull in the center <laughs> of the clock and the number 12, like emerging from the face. Oh. And Joseph said that when he would see that vision, he would get an intense itch in the palm of his left hand. And that would mean that his kids were misbehaving. Therefore it was time to punish them. So according to his commandment, Joseph would wait until midnight as the clock told him to do. Then he would take his children to the cellar and, And the torture would ensue. The torture methods he used on his kids were very reminiscent of the abuse he endured as a child.
1: He's got the cat of nine tails. It's
0: very much a generational curse kind of scenario, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's the bad misdeeds of the family passing, literally being passed on to the next one.
0: He would whip them with his homemade cat of nine tails and have them kneel on sandpaper for hours. Just awful things. Oh, God. Oh, God. I know. It
1: doesn't sound bad, but then you think about kneeling on it for like an
0: for, hour. Um, hours. I know. Just yeah. like
1: an hour. Like, yeah. We've all like done push-ups on concrete and it hurts.
0: Then, on New Year's Day, 1972, Joseph received another message. Now, so far, he had only received one message from a voice that he perceived to be God, if you remember. And that was back when he was 15. The rest of his commands and visions had been from what he called a demon, you know, or the devil. Well, for the first time since he was fifteen, he felt that God spoke to him again, and he said, "Quote, I control you now." And Joseph was like, "Okay, okie dokie."
1: Yes, and as often known biblically and through stories, that's not that's not God.
0: So from here on out, you guys. Joseph is doing the Lord's work.
1: So he thinks, because his visions are so real to him. So he thinks. But even if he was being visited, that's not God.
0: Well, shortly after that auditory hallucination and visual, Joseph's two oldest children, their names were Mary, Joe, and Joey. They were teenagers at the time.
1: Fucking ran away?
0: They ran away from home, undoubtedly, to escape the abuse of their horrific father.
1: Well, they knew Dad was crazy, doing weird shit all the time. Now he's beating the shit out of them, like torturing them. Yep, time to go.
0: Joe was irate, but he calmly awaited instruction from God. Two days later, God apparently told Joseph to go and get his forty-five handgun and go and find his kids. So he grabbed his gun, put it in his pocket, and hailed a cab. <laughs> that poor cabbie.
1: <laughs> it's convenient how anytime you're hallucinating like this and you're begging for a vision, it comes, it comes like right away. Hey, it tells me to do exactly what I should do.
0: They drove around in the taxi until Joseph spotted his kids outside the movie theater. So he instructed the cab driver to pull over. Joseph got out of the cab. He forced his kids back into the cab with him at gunpoint. I'm hearing this part of the story. I was shocked to learn that the taxi driver didn't call the cops to report him. Apparently he didn't. Family drama. He didn't want to get involved.
1: I was terrified. and was like, you know what? Fuck that situation. I don't want to be involved.
0: When Joseph arrived back at his house with his two kids, he told his wife to take the two youngest Callenger children, Jimmy and Michael out for pizza and don't come back until he says it's okay. So, you know, it's going to get back. So she did just that, which pisses me off because she knew exactly what was about to happen to those kids. Anyways, with his wife and two youngest out of the house, Joseph turned his attention first to Mary Jo. And guys, this this is going to get rough. Great. This is gross, but Joseph had developed somewhat of a crush on his daughter. By all accounts, he had not sexually assaulted her. However, he had been like dating her for lack of a better word. Another way to do Like, he would take her out to eat, just the two of them, and buy her expensive jewelry, which sounds completely innocent so far. But what raised some eyebrows was when he became notably jealous that the boys around town were starting to, like, pay attention to her, you know? He didn't like that. So, this is where it kind of gets rough, guys, Just trigger warning. With her brother tied up in the kitchen, he bound his daughter up in the living room. He brought a kerosene stove and a metal spatula into the living room. And when the stove was hot, he held the spatula over the flame for five whole minutes. It was red hot. Yeah. Actually red.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Joseph then stripped Mary Jo down and held the spatula against her inner thigh. Oh, God. As his daughter screamed in agony, he sang... You'll never run away from me again, over and over and over. Like in a sing-song happy way. Not creepy at all, right?
1: That's some fucking that's shit straight out of a horror movie.
0: Then, Joseph turned his attention toward his son, Joey. Joseph went down to the cellar and retrieved a hammer. He ripped the metal head from the hammer and beat Joey with the wooden hammer. Like handle, Yeah, the handle. Countless times. He only stopped when his arm's tired. Like, he did it until he couldn't raise an arm anymore.
1: Right, but he took the head off so he wouldn't kill him. He would just hurt him a lot.
0: Then Joseph untied them, gave them both $5 for their troubles, called his wife and younger kids back home, and the family all sat down and had pizza together.
1: Well, they're used to the torture. They're used to the punishment.
0: Now, this is what baffles me. In Joseph's mind, he was carrying out God's command and punishing his children in the same way he was punished as a child. He was also burned on the stove, right? Yeah, of course. He was be. also beaten with a hammer, if you remember. And a Cadeniza. Right? However, Joseph claimed that he had been merciful to his oldest kids because God had in fact instructed him to insert the red hot metal spatula into his daughter's vagina so that she was marked for life and could remain pure. He was also very merciful on Joey as well because his own mother had beaten him with the metal head of a hammer and he was just using the handle on his son, like dad of the year, okay?
1: (laughs) No shit. Right?
0: Yeah, so in his mind, he was sparing his children.
1: Because his visions that are so real to him told him to do much, much, much
0: worse. I think we can agree this was another escalation. Unfortunately, Mary Joe, and Joey would be the last individuals to be spared by Joseph Callinger. He is about to escalate even more. In the darkest areas of your mind, you won't believe what happens with him next. You just won't.
1: I'm not there yet. I need I need two weeks to process this fucking thing.
0: It's going to get twisted, vile, downright unbelievable, and it's all going to be true. I can guarantee that you're about to just flip your shit at what comes next, but you're going to have to wait until part two because I think you've had enough to process for today. If you need to rewind and re-listen to the Hamster Gate, then Normally when we ahead. do
1: multi-parters, I'm like, let's go. I want to hear the rest of it. You need a Right now, it, bro. I'm like, thank you. Just fucking thank you.
0: Go pour yourself a drink.
1: <laughs> thank you. I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. Yet. Pray? I don't even know what to do right now. I'm going to go fucking play Call of Duty and not think about this or something. <laughs> go watch like the fucking Teletubbies or something. I don't Teletub- know. No, those are evil. They make more sense than this. <laughs> At least understand the Teletubbies don't make sense. Well, People wanted I original content. I'm giving the people what they want. This does not make sense because it made sense to him. So the hardest part for me to understand is that he's. this makes sense to him. This is real to him. And the rest of us are over here like stuttering because we can't even put words together right now thinking about this. But to him, it's real.
0: Mm-hmm. And you think I'm crazy for wanting a chicken. This guy thinks that... I do not think you're crazy
1: for wanting a chicken. I just said no to a damn chicken. That's all. This
0: guy... (laughs) I could be buying hamsters to assist me in world domination. Get me my damn chicken. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) I mean, I might actually put it to you to get hamsters for world domination. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> not above you.
0: <laughs> can we can we name them? No, I don't want to do that. Never mind.
1: It's not above either of us to do what that. What were so.
0: their names? What were they? Pizza roll? Or- no, no, no. Wait, wait. Let me go find it. Tell it to me or. Oh my God. We have to find their names. I
1: think part of my brain literally turned off.
0: Here it is. I only
1: use like a little piece of it as it is. <laughs> it was oh, there it is.
0: Winkle, Popsicle, Jelly roll, Jelly roll, and Humpty Dumpty. <laughs>
1: Jelly Roll is the one I was like, what?
0: Twinkle, <laughs> and he killed them horribly.
1: Humpty Dumpty, whatever. I was just weak. Popsicle. I've heard names for like small, cute animals with that before.
0: Twinkle, jelly roll. No, winkle, winkle.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, jelly winkle, roll. whatever. I mean, happy days back then. Henry winkle? Winkler. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching here. I'm reaching, but jelly
0: roll. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he liked jelly rolls. It's like naming your cat Fruitcake. That's a cute name for a cat.
1: <laughs> what? It's fruit it's awful. It's fruitcake. You don't name something you love fruitcake.
0: Where's this? A Skittle?
1: <laughs> Best skit ever.
0: This is a treasure map.
1: <laughs> Who was
0: that? It was um Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. It was hilarious. I mean, if, you, if y'all have, it was Jesus, it was Beyond the Pale, yeah, okay. uh, the Jim Gaffigan old stand-up. Old and it, stand-up. oh my, He talks about fruitcake. It's fruit, what's his nasty crap? Fruit, fruit good. good, cake, cake.
1: good, fruitcake nasty, nasty crap. crap. <laughs> what is what, this, He talks about Hot Pockets and all that stuff, too? Hot oh, Pockets. Oh <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that, that's like a belly laugh, almost peeing yourself we, And it's clean.
0: We do, it's completely it clean. There's yeah, no you can. not It's like crazy. And it makes you roll. It hilarious. <laughs> anyway, I think we veered off enough. But um, thank y'all for joining us, and we'll see you back here for part two. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. you don't give up on us. Y'all wanted original content, so here we go. There's I love it. I just content. need time to it, That's all. <laughs> Same, but we will see you next week for our Patreon and our in two uh, weeks patrons in two for weeks all for all the normies. <laughs> <laughs> we love y'all. Be good to each other, and we will see you next time. Bye.